Justice Tech Pros podcast with Dominic Crea, one of the most unique podcasts on the internet, discussing the obstacles the defense team faces when trying a case, what goes on behind the scenes during pretrial and motion phase, holding defense attorneys accountable, making sure they're fighting for their clients, the difference between textbook law and how things truly play out in a courtroom, and everything in between. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Justice Tech Pros. Welcome back to A View from Mulberry Street. I'm your host, Matthew J. Mary. And today, just going to tell you a funny little short story about quite an interesting incident that occurred, uh, I think, back in the 80s. I was uh, going to the FBI office at that time. And uh, it was at 26 Federal Plaza. And I was going to retrieve some property for a client of mine known as John Bubby Sarasani. The government had accused John Bubby Sarasani of numerous crimes. He was one of the few people, maybe the only person, who was found not guilty in all the Donnie Brasco trials. He was found not guilty walked out of the courthouse free as a bird, and do you think the government just let him be? No. John, as a result of beating the government in one of the Donnie Brasco cases, John Bubby, Sarasani, was then later charged in three separate cases, and so the government sought to give him life on the installment plan, as so many so-called organized figures, organized crime figures, do get from the government when they have the audacity and the courage to stand up at trial and beat them. So it was an interesting, uh, he's an interesting fellow. Uh, I went up to the FBI building. The FBI agents are very cordial. You know, we had a good relationship, an adversarial relationship, and they knew I was there to pick up some property, and something unexpected occurred. And I still, to this day, don't know exactly what happened and why it took so long to process these individuals. And at some point, the um, waiting to meet some agents to get this property back. And they push me into a room, like really like almost like football players. And and they push me in the room and they say, sorry, Matt, you know, we're going to have to lock you in here. We don't know for how long. Uh, I later found out that the reason was, is they had a, like a parade of cooperating witnesses, you know, rats that, that, that were coming through the corridors one after another. Oh, my God. It was like a parade, I guess, because they kept me in there, I don't know, for a good 20 minutes. And uh, I'm standing around in this room. And, you know, nobody nobody told me that I couldn't touch anything or look at anything. They just pushed me in this room and locked me in, FBI headquarters. And so... I, I saw something on the, there's a long table and there were, there were several albums, like, you know, family albums, like wedding albums without the frills. And, uh, <laughs> I walked over to the table and the first album that I see, this family album, it says, Bonanno family 
bosses and administration. And they start leafing through this album, right? And uh, <laughs> the album contains photographs of everyone the government claimed had ever been, who was and whoever had been a boss or an underboss or a consigliere of the so-called Bonanno family. And I'm leafing through this, and I'm saying, oh, my God, they put me in this room? Like, why are they doing this? Like, what's up? And then I, I step down, you know, to the next album, and the next album says, the, the title of the album is Bonanno Family Captains. And in this album, you know, they have photographs, one after another, of present people that they considered to be uh captains and, 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 and past people. They had the living and the dead side by side. And I, I leafed through that. That's very interesting. What That's not all. So I stepped down another couple of steps, another album, yet another album. That album was The Soldiers. And in this album, this is a pretty thick one, they had all these people that they considered to be soldiers. They described that to me as made members of organized crime. And so they, I'm look, going through this book, and there's like 100 people in it. And people who are dead, people who are alive, people I knew. Okay. Not so unusual. What's the next book? The next book is Associates. Okay, what is an associate? An associate, according to the FBI and law enforcement, is someone they have designated to be associated with organized crime. They normally consider people who are associates to be potential members. Okay, so that's their take on it all. And so I'm looking through the book of associates. Quite a few in there too. All right. I see a lot of people I know. Oh boy. Too bad I didn't have a pen, a piece of paper. I was going to start writing down all this stuff. You know, nobody told me I couldn't. And um, that I thought that would be it. But I, I, I stepped down a little bit further down on the table and I see an album. And the, the, the title of the album is the kids. And I said, the kids? What the hell is that? And I open up this book and I see a lot of kids, like young kids, ages like 13 to 16, 17. And they, they have one thing in common. They're all like playing or, or hanging out in front of some kind of social club. Okay. And uh, then the FBI agents came in as I was looking at the album of the kids, okay? And I said to, to one of the FBI agents, I said, you know, I understand what these other albums are, these photographs, and I understand your uh, theory of what that's all about. But who are the kids? What are the kids? Why, why do you keep a book like this? And the agents, without any reluctance or reservations, said to me, Matt, those are the kids from the neighborhood that play outside the social club and sometimes run errands for the wise guys. And we keep our eyes on them because today's kid is tomorrow's associate. And tomorrow's associate is next year's member. And, you know, I just shook my head and I said to myself, wow, a lot of these kids 
should only know that they're in a book in the FBI headquarters. You know, the agents later told me that every squad, you know, in, 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 in organized crime prosecutions, the point of this program is this. In organized crime prosecutions, the government doesn't become aware of a crime and try to solve the mystery of who may have committed it. They have a task. They have squads devoted to certain people. And at that time, they had a Bonanno squad and a Bonanno room. They had a Genovese squad. They had a Lucchese squad. They had a Gambino squad. Uh, you know, a Colombo squad. And all of these agents had a special room with all of these photographs and, and big charts on the wall of who's who. You know, it's incredible. And, it, you know, it just makes you wonder. Ordinary citizens think that law enforcement uh, is out there to solve crime. But when it comes to organized crime, that's not the case. That's what this podcast is about. It's all about identifying certain people and then matching them up with some kind of crime. No matter what. And so that's wrong. And that's what's happening. And that is legal. It is legal. And the people who do this stuff are not bad people. They just have the power to do it, you know, to, to have a list of people and say, we're going to put all these guys away. And um, that was quite an episode, quite an entertaining episode. And no one was upset that Matthew Mary got to see the Bonanno family room. Oh, my God. And, uh, you know, I, I went back and I told my client, John Sirsani, all about it. And he, you know, he just laughed. He was a great guy. He was a fun guy. He get, did a lot of good for me. John Sirisani, by the way, before I close out, John Sirisani, by the way, is the only person that I can remember in my 46-year-now history as a lawyer who ever owed me money and then paid me in full years later, okay? I couldn't understand it because John was the best payer that you could ever want to meet. He gave me many clients. He introduced me to Salvatore, Sally Dogs Lombardi, who was a very, very uh, uh, influential person in Brooklyn. Sally Dogs and I became great friends, and Sally Dogs uh, gave me many, many, many cases, many cases. So Bubby and, 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 and Sally Dogs were great friends of mine, great clients of mine. And, uh, to get back to the story, uh, Bubby had hired me to represent his son on a very minor thing. It was a disorderly conduct. And the fee was minor too, about $5,000. And then Bubby, never paid me. And I was like shocked because, you know, he's a stand-up guy. He's an honorable guy. Uh, he paid all his bills and uh, Bubby started to avoid me. I was calling him and he wouldn't call me back. And like, you know, I just forgot about it. A year or two passed and I get this call on Christmas Eve from one of my very, very best, best friends in the whole world, a guy by the name of Jerry Chili, a very famous person. And Jerry Chili calls me and said, Matt, somebody wants to see you. 
could you please come down and meet us? And I said, Jerry, you know, it's Christmas Eve. I, I don't want to go down. It's cold out. He said, come on down. I want you down here. And, you know, I didn't say no to Jerry because he's like my best friend. I always would accommodate him in any way possible. But not many people ever would say no to Jerry Chili. And so Jerry Chili said, come on down. And where do I have to meet him? I lived in Knickerbocker Village at the time. And I had to get on my horse and go out to the Motion Lounge in, uh, in uh, I guess it's, I guess it's, it's Williamsburg, or right next to that, it's on Graham Avenue, the Motion Lounge, very famous because it was owned and operated by a fellow that I knew very, very well from the age of 14 on, a guy by the name of uh, Dominic, Sonny Black, Napolitano, was the owner of the Motion Lounge on Graham Avenue in Brooklyn. And uh, anyhow, go in there, and, and who do I see? Bobby Sarasani, John Bobby Sarasani. And, you know, I walk over to him, wish him a Merry Christmas. And he goes into his pocket and takes out an envelope with $5,000 in it. And I was kind of shocked. And he said, man, I'm very sorry that it took me that long to get that money. But I've been going through some rough times. And that's the reason I didn't call you back. I, I didn't want to see you until I had your money. And uh, <laughs> Bobby Sarasani was not only a stand-up guy, but he was a good guy. And he did a lot of good for me, especially introducing me to Sally Dogs, who was a character of all characters. And uh, I could tell you a lot about Sally Dogs, another guy who died in jail, all right, for no good reason. And uh, a good man, fine man, good friend of mine. And uh, we'll save those stories uh, for another day. For now, that's a view from Mulberry Street, and I am Matthew J. Mary. <laughs>